0: Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD85 in Frederick, right next to Longshots Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BedfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please feel free to check out other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. <laughs> For over 15 years, bassist Jeff Pilson has brought an effervescent energy and dulcet vocal harmonies to his performances with classic rocker's Foreigner, who have continued touring North America and Europe on a regular basis. Music fans first got to know Jeff as a member of the popular 80s American metal quartet, Dawkin, followed by stints with Dio, Macaulay Schenker Group, and many other bands. And yes, you saw him in the Mark Wahlberg movie Rockstar as a member of Steel Dragon. During this pandemic, Jeff has had many projects to keep him busy, including forthcoming albums by Black Swan and The End Machine. Throughout his busy life in music and as a family man, Jeff has found a way to stay centered through the use of meditation. For this episode of Jams, we discussed how he first got into the practice, how it kept him from going off the rails during the crazy 80s, and how it keeps him in check and in good health over four decades into his prolific career. This conversation isn't purely about the process of meditation, but the psychological and physiological benefits Jeff has achieved from the practice, as well as how he's come to some important realizations during this phase of his life.
2: So thanks for taking the time to chat for Psy gems. Of course. You know, I've been doing this podcast for a while, and I'm always, obviously I've talked to you about music in the past, but I remember at Jones Beach, talking about your love for meditation. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's very sort of unusual, I think, in the rock and roll world, but I suspect more people probably do it than we think.
3: Probably. Probably. Um, I know of others
2: that do. It's still not real common. What actually got you into doing it? I mean, obviously, in the '80s, we all know you had the crazy rock and roll lifestyle. I imagine as you get into the '90s and got a little older, you're like, yeah, maybe a million drinks is not a good idea. (laughs) Actually, no. I I actually got into it in the late
3: '70s. Although I, I got into yoga exercises, you know, the postures, the stretching first. Yeah. And that was in the late '70s. And the reason I got into it is I was I was staying at a friend's. And I was doing some kind of exercising, and I fell I, I like fell on the floor for hours. And I was only 20 years old. I, my back, I couldn't even move. I was paralyzed. And after that, I said to myself, i got to do something. And somebody recommended yoga. Huh. So I got the books, started doing it, and immediately was hooked. Immediately. And I got associated with a guy by the name of Richard Hiddelman, who had workshops. Richard's no longer with us. He died in 1991. But... He was having workshops all throughout the 70s and 80s. And I started going to the workshops in the 80s and then met my my teacher, who I still consider my teacher, although she lives in uh, Santa Cruz, California, and I okay. see her very early. I started uh, studying with her. She lived in New York at the time. She got me into meditation. So I've been into meditation since somewhere in the 80s, you know, mid to late 80s. And I've
2: uh, let up since. I'm assuming, given the kind of craziness of your lifestyle and all the touring and the odd hours, that's helpful.
3: Very. <laughs> I don't think I could do it without, to be honest with you. I mean, you get sleep on the road, but it's not always restful sleep. Yeah. I'm actually much more rested now than I have been in years. <laughs> Funny thing about that. But, so that helps you with that. It helps you in performing and staying focused. It helps you just your overall health. It helps a lot. And it helps you in, I mean, I love my bandmates, but it's hard to get along with anybody as much as, you know, you travel with. And so, consequently, we have, at least from my end, very little problems because the vibe is real good. And I, I try to contribute to the good vibe by being cool, and meditation helps me be cool. Because <laughs> I'd be a neurotic mess without it, so... <laughs>
2: At this point, it's funny because, you know, I don't think anybody, I don't think any of us thought, I'm sure you probably didn't think in your 20s, oh, I'm going to be doing this in my 50s. And I probably yeah. didn't think that, you know, Dockin or Foreigner or any of these groups would be around now. I mean, you you don't th- you didn't think about it back then. You just didn't, yeah. And it's tricky because there's some people that have, are in better shape than others. Obviously, those who partied a little too much, we can tell, are, are struggling at this particular point because it uh, takes a toll on your body. right. But yeah, you know, I mean, I've always been a night owl. I go to bed at like four in the morning. I get up at like noon. I have a very unusual schedule, which works great as a freelancer. If somebody needs something done overnight, well, it literally gets done overnight. Then I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I imagine life in a tour bus is not so glamorous. I've been on plenty of them and it's cramped quarters. And yep. uh, unless you're super rich and you have your own tour bus.
3: Right, right. Which we don't. Yes. So <laughs> listen, everybody, the foreigner guys are all extremely respectful and we know each other so well and yeah. we know each other's quirks very rarely is there a dust-up of any kind. But it does take survival skills to get to the point where you can do that. And again, I think meditation helps me a lot with that.
2: It's interesting. I met someone who had started doing meditation a few years ago and, and she was stressed out and she was trying to find time to do this. She's like, she kept telling her, her instructor, she said, you know, my day is really busy. And he's like, well, you're just going to have to find the time. Yeah. Which is kind of the point. Yeah, exactly.
3: We could make excuses forever. But you know what? You could just devote 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, 10 minutes every other day, whatever, you know, whatever you can do, as long as you're regular with your practice, you can make it work. And it's not impossible to find 10 minutes. It's just not, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're all busy. And yes, you know, there's going to be exceptions or whatever. But if you, if you realize how important it is, you will make the time. And I've made the time even under... Crazy circumstances with traveling. I mean, sometimes I'm, in, I'm at the airport and I'm yeah. off in a corner somewhere. You know, you, you make the time because it's worth it. And by the way, speaking of instruction, I've been doing a Monday virtual meditation class at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay. And it's virtual. And if you go to yoga at hotforyogascv.com, uh-huh. you'll find out all the details and um, you can get in that. It's just a really great program, and we, I've, I've got some people from New York doing it, so it's a great thing.
2: What was your first experience meditating like, and then what, how did that change your perspective? On, did you always been one of, those, one of those people that said, oh, that's not going to work, or were you just automatically open to it?
3: Well, I was open to it by the time I got into it, because I started with the exercises, and when I started with the postures, I realized how much they did for me. Okay. Then I started reading some of the philosophy. <clears throat> Richard Hillman had a great way of expressing ancient yoga philosophy, but in a very relevant and now kind of way. I mean, it was like it was light bulb moments for me reading the books. And that made me want to pursue meditation. So by the time I started pursuing the meditation, I was I was kind of ready for it. Yeah. But everybody's experience at first is difficult because your your mind is like a wild horse. It's It's been allowed to run free for all of its life. And then now try and corral it into the barn is pretty hard. You know, it takes yeah. it takes work. But what do you do? You gently Try and bring it into the barn and say, hey, here's some hay and some salt and, you know, here's all this good stuff in the barn. So come in the barn. You're safe. So you just kind of have to do the same thing with the mind. You have to just gently guide it back and teach it how to concentrate. And and when you and you start to see results fairly quickly when you do, that's that's when it really, really kicks in.
2: I'm curious, I mean, is it, was it just were the basic exercises you started doing just focusing yourself? I mean, I assume that's the basic idea of meditation to focus your mind away from the outside, obviously turning inward.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and the first, and, and again, I just, the stuff that I teach online is also exactly what Richard taught. And, and it's, it's very traditional yoga meditation. Uh, I like to do some stretching first because it helps relax the body. Right. Then what we do is we observe the breath and you just kind of concentrate on the breath, the in and out of the breath just kind of get tuned into that. And then you generally find an object of meditation. And it could be anything, but you could use a flower and a candle is great. There's certain shapes and images that are good. But take something as an object of your meditation and put all of your attention and awareness on that object for as long as you can. You just want to keep focusing on it. And you know your interval will increase with time and practice. So start simple. Start with five minutes. Just I mean, it's not easy to stay on one thought for five minutes. Your mind will w- wander all over the place, but yeah. you just keep gently guiding it back in. And then after a while, like I say, the interval will, will increase and your concentration increases.
2: You started doing meditation in the 70s and 80s when life wasn't quite as frenetic as it is today. Yeah. Do you find it more challenging for younger people even, or even people around our age to focus? Because we're so used to having our attention split constantly.
3: That's the challenge. But believe me, it's in the human psyche to be able to do this. It really is. Because according to yoga, that's your natural state. Relaxed but aware is, is your natural state. It's all the other stuff and all the distractions are just mind and ego, you know, making interplay in, you know, with yourself. And that the distraction isn't natural. <laughs> you know what I mean? The distractions are yeah. natural events that we succumb to. So, so you will quickly take to the natural state with practice. But, yes, it's a challenge because we have been so, I mean, you know, people on their phones. I mean, now it is. It's really crazy. The attention span is just next to nothing. It takes work, but you'd be amazed at how quickly it can start taking effect because, again, your soul likes it. You know, your, your awareness loves that feeling. And we, we're striving for it. We all want to be happy. And we all want to be peaceful. We really do. That's born into the human being. So, so, yeah, you take to it. And when you do, it becomes very, very pleasant. And pleasant
2: is addictive. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's interesting because you speak about it very passionately. And I remember when I interviewed David Lynch many years ago, I think 10 years ago now, you know, he was cool, sort of a mellow interview. And then as soon as I brought up transcendental meditation at the end, he gets That's really right. excited. I'm like, this is so interesting how we got for someone who's actually doing something that relaxes him. He actually got very excited about it, talking about sure. it. It is interesting. And it's the same way with you a bit.
3: You know, I mean, all this stuff gives you energy and I think it's a trigger, you know, when 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 he probably heard about meditation, it triggered the excitement and energy that he gets as a result of it. So that's a great thing.
2: Well, I'm assuming there's different forms of meditation. Some people do sure. yoga with meditation. Like, what do you do? What's your main practice?
3: Again, it's just very traditional, thousands of years old yoga meditation. And like I say, it's it's basically, I like to do some stretching for a little while. Then I do breathing. And then I just concentrate on an object and there's very, again, there's various levels of objects that you can take to, and there's various other disciplines, but that's, in a nutshell, that's what I do, and again, that's just traditional yoga meditation.
2: What difference did you find in your touring life once you started meditating regularly?
3: Well, you know, I've been meditating since I've been, I mean, the entire time I've been on the road hard and heavy, so.
2: You don't know life without it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I kind of don't. I I think it just set me up for a a nice run on the road without killing myself. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, have you? And
3: heard- I tried in the eighties, man. I was doing a lot of drugs and alcohol, so <laughs>
2: you were having fun. And as I recall, falling through balsa wood platforms and, and shredding your pants with a Japan. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, did you, have you taught meditation to any band members on the road, and then have they, they followed it? And you've seen a change in the way
3: they're they're living their lives?
2: Not band members.
3: No, not band members. Just good old regular people.
2: <laughs> regular people. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I remember back in the '90s, the whole new age thing was big, and I remember I got into ambient right. music, so that would get tossed in the new age category, which it really wasn't. And there was a lot of people that would probably look at yoga and meditation and all that stuff as kind of this new agey kind right. of BS. Sure. Did you, have you noticed a change since then in the way people approach it?
3: I well, you know, it's become a little more overall acceptable. It's, it isn't so fringy new agey now. Yeah, uh, which is great. Um, you know, my wife teaches Bikram yoga and Pilates. Also online, by the way, at that same website, which is yoga and hot for yoga at cv.com. Okay. You know, and it, it's kind of integrated into the whole fabric of our family. And when people do it now, I think they do it less from the new agey approach, which was, I mean, it's funny because my teachers used to talk about, you know, really watch out for that whole new agey thing you know it's great that people want to do that but don't get caught up in all you know don't think you have to have incense and you know this picture and you know an elephant and but you know yeah 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 don't get caught up in the trappings and the ritual just get to the substance and i think people are a little more into the substance now at least i've found
2: pilates is something a lot of people do now so how does that tie into what you do with meditation are you actively an active pilates person
3: I am an active Pilates person because again my wife teaches Pilates and I do two classes a week that she does okay. and and she even does virtual ones at, at like I say at that same website Pilates I mean it's different than meditation but what it is is it's really working the body to really I mean you're pushing I'm for me I mean I can just barely do it <laughs> <laughs> and really a big thing about Pilates is the uh, increased heart rate that you get from really yeah. doing the Interval stuff. It's called high intensity interval training. Hit by doing that. I just think my heart health is for my age. I think I'm in really good shape, and um, all the you know indicators when I get checked up with the doctors are good. So I must be doing something right.
2: Diet factors into a lot of this, too. Of course, it helps with meditation. Yeah, I mean,
3: you know, ideally for meditation, a diet that is conducive to calmness. So, avoiding spicy foods, not tasty foods, but spicy foods, yeah, really avoid things that are going to upset your stomach, you know, which a lot of American processed food does,, yeah, so by avoiding that, I find it 's really helpful, but just healthy, just being healthy to me that
0: For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: What is it like to say, meditate for 10 minutes in a noisy airport? It's challenging, but what you do is you
3: really have to concentrate on the phenomena around you, learn how to let it go as it goes by, and then just kind of, like you say, go inward. So you're still hearing the noise, yeah, but it's not taking up your attention. Your attention is centered on whatever the object of your meditation is. So sometimes I use busy airports or places like that or sometimes I do it backstage when there's noises going on and I use those noises to kind of push me inward and let go of the outside world and it actually it can have a helping effect I mean it's not ideal but you can use it to your advantage if you have to
2: now do you ever get into a meditative state on stage
3: well a great performance kind of has that aspect to it where it just feels like it's flowing it doesn't feel like you're trying and you know it just it just kind of flows a great show does that for both the audience and the performer but because i'm a performer and because i do it so often i i'm very aware when it's in that place it's not exactly like meditation but it is a similar state in that you're kind of selfless at that point you're just kind of flowing what's happening is coming naturally and that's a beautiful state. And again, that that kind of gives you the kind of bliss that meditation does as well.
2: Did you have any recollection of, say, maybe your most transcendent moment on stage, something where you were just so into the music or the experience that you kind of...
3: You know, in 2007, Foreigner got to open up for Led Zeppelin when they did their reunion show. At, at the O2, yeah. We played right before Zeppelin. I was kind of... I, I wouldn't say I was stressed out necessarily, but I was just kind of... I sort of wrote off the gig thinking, well... God, this is 22,000 people that just want to see Led Zeppelin. They're not going to give a crap about us up there. So <laughs> I'm just going to kind of go up there and just let it happen. And we ended up getting up there and the people were so into it. It's like it's it was the most bizarre. It was the most shocked I've ever been at a show because they were just so gracious and into it. And it it had these moments and maybe because I, too, was excited to see Zeppelin and, and sort of. I was kind of in the moment like that as well. Yeah. The whole show just kind of turned into this. It, it was like a celebration. Don't, didn't they call the thing Celebration Day or something? Somebody yeah, just, yeah. That was, so was like that. I'm telling you, it honestly was. Um, you asked me the question off the top of my head. That's what comes to mind. It isn't exactly transcendent like a meditative state, but it's on that principle. And um, it was definitely the highest I think I ever felt in that kind of situation.
2: Yeah, watching on stage with four, and I mean, you were really into it. A lot of people get older and they kind of slow down, and you're not. You're moving <laughs> all over the stage. I'm like, man, he's going to be sleeping well tonight. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd be passed out halfway through, probably. Like, oh, it,
3: it can be exhausting. Well, again, though, that's why the yoga postures also really help for energy. You know, releasing a lot of toxins and keeping you a lot healthier. Plus, I mean, when you're on the road or performing, you have to watch what you eat. You know, because I'm not 20 years old. Yeah. You really have to take care of yourself. You have to do exercise. You have to, you have to do all the things you have to do in order to uh, to give it your best up there. And plus, it it just feels so much better because nothing worse than not feeling good and being on stage. And I don't mean being sick because being sick can be a drag too. But sometimes when you're sick, you even kind of do get a little transcendent up there. Like if you ate too much or if you're you've been eating unhealthy food and all that stuff. I've had that experience and it's not pleasant. And it affects my show, so I say I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'd rather have a good show. <laughs> well, yeah,
2: you you got you to be careful what you eat on the road. And obviously, the catering in a lot of places is not great. The catering at Jones Beach was pretty good. I remember you we ate after the show though.
3: Jones Beach is fabulous, and I yeah, I usually wait to eat after. Actually, but like like on that tour, I know we had a juicer out with us, and I was able to juice every day before the show and. You know, all that kind. Of, I mean, we actually had good catering on that tour, most of it. And and we tend to get more and more good catering. You know, the older we get, the more picky we have to be about it. So that's a
2: big thing. I know. I was thinking about the fact that you think of all the crappy clubs and the terrible buffets you probably had to sit through back in the seventies and eighties. Like, sure. I'm trying to think. So, like yoga positions. I mean, there's a lot of different ones. Are there any specific ones that help you on stage? That help you with flexibility, with motion.
3: I mean, there's several. I mean, almost any stretch. You know forward stretching. You know what is a really healthy thing to do? And I find it's maybe the most helpful single exercise is the headstand. You know, doing a headstand is so good for you. The circulation that it provides into your head, the way it reverses some of the processes in the body, it helps to kind of cleanse you and uh, energize you and kind of just refresh and give you an overall feeling of well-being. I love to do that before a show. I mean, I do several stretches, but headstand is a real good one.
2: You mentioned toxins, and people talk about toxins. I mean, what, how would you de- describe that to somebody who knows nothing about yoga and meditation? What's sort of the basic principle of toxins? Because you, you normally would think of liquids or, you know, poison or whatever. But right. There's...
3: Well, toxins are basically just the, I mean, you know, whenever you expel air, you're expelling toxins because... That's part of the breathing process is to gather, I, w- I want to call it just accumulated chemicals and things within the breath that you just want to expel out of the body. That's part of the purpose of exhaling yeah, yeah. is to get rid of that. So toxins, I just think of as substances that the body no longer needs or wants or should have. And again, breathing and various forms of exercises are great ways of getting rid of that. Yeah. And it can also be lactic acid, which you can get from, from you know, like, like if you really stretch it, something like you're feeling the strain of that stretch, Yeah, yeah. well, what happens is to, uh, lactic acid gets released. And that's why it's kind of painful, but that's why it also kind of feels good. Because when the lactic acid is released, if you drink a lot of water, it will flush out of your body and you will feel better and you'll be less sore.
2: Is any of that related to acid reflux? no.
3: Because acid reflux is more about acids that fall onto your throat. That's why I like singers complain about acid reflux. Yeah, they'll be in sleep and they'll be sleeping, and you know all all this acid. They'll like kind of burp in their sleep or whatever, and and the acids develop and they fall on their vocal cords and they kind of scar the vocal cords a little bit. And that's why singers. You know, I have to really be careful and, you know, shouldn't eat at night because that's going to cause acid reflux to be more. So no, acid reflux is something different, but I I suppose that's a form of toxin.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think I wonder if, if meditation and yoga helps with things like that. I mean, I've had silent reflux now for a few years and I've noticed it gets a little more pronounced. I'm trying to definitely make shifts in my diet. Can't enjoy the red sauce as much and other things.
3: And also stress is definitely related to that. Yeah, Meditation helps with stress. So by helping with stress, it's going to help that.
2: Has there ever been a really stressful time in your life or on the road that meditation was a good remedy for?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me in general, I've always kind of flirted with mild depression. Right. The meditation, I think, has helped keep that way in check. Part of the reason I got into meditation as well is I was a pretty neurotic guy, pretty up and down, angry. You know, I mean, I I was very hard on myself a lot. I noticed that once I started, started even getting into the postures, but especially with meditation, that kind of all just kind of backed off. And I wouldn't say it went away, but now my perspective on it is way different. When those dark thoughts kind of come in, I see, oh, yeah, that's just the dark thought floating by. You know, it's not, it's not, It doesn't have to you know, paralyze me like it did when I was younger. So it helps with that immensely all the time and in all stressful situations. I mean, you know, when you're going to be on live television – you can't help. It's, I wouldn't exactly call it nerves, but it is You know, it is kind of like nerves. But you get there's a anticipatory anxiety and it helps so much with that. The breathing helps with that. And so pretty much when I do most of the things I do now, I can be even if I'm, you know, amped and excited, I can be relaxed at the same time, which is. Which is how you're
2: most productive. I think I remember you guys were on the Today Show two or three years ago, and so we were watching you, and you seemed very happy. You were like smiling and like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm on TV, man."
3: <laughs> and that's a great feeling because you want to enjoy. You want to enjoy those moments, especially. You know, you know. Hey, I'm on the Today Show. You
2: know. <laughs> hey, mom. I mean, a lot of artists deal with depression. I think we all do, especially when we're not maybe. Like we like to be productive. So sometimes when we're not being productive, it's difficult. I imagine during this whole pandemic, it's been hard for some people. There's been A lot of artists have been going crazy and jamming and recording and writing and other people that are not so Mm -hmm. caught up in that. I mean, how's your perspective on your life changed and how you approach everything as you get older?
3: Well, that's a a good question. I, I would say, you know, I've kept myself busy in my studio, doing a lot of projects there, which is wonderful. But I have, this is the most I've been home in 16 years. Um. which and it's also great for being with my family. But you're right, there is that flip side of like, wow, I'm not doing anything for a year that I'm used to doing. Right. So you kind of have to fight that. I mean, I'm the same way I you know, if I'm not productive, I kind of, I get a little upset with myself. So I have to kind of keep that in mind. So it's also kind of given me the perspective like, wow, things are not as critical as I tend to make them, you know, I mean, I can Afford to be more chill and it's okay. And that's not natural for me. You know, <laughs> Not, not a natural, I mean, as, as much as I love meditation, I'm not what you'd call a naturally chill kind of guy. <laughs> I think it's kind of given me this other perspective and it, it even kind of ties into mortality. I feel like I understand mortality in a better way now, which is an odd thing to say, but- um, As far as what? Well, you know, like, it kind of makes me see like, Wow, when the end comes, it's okay. It's uh, it's inevitable, and it's all right. I I can't explain it beyond that, other than I just kind of feel one notch more accepting of mortality, and it's that that feels good to me.
2: That's interesting because yeah, you know, I I definitely as I'm getting older, I'm like okay, now I only have a certain number of years probably to get all the things done that I want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the podcast was one of those other things I want to do, so I'm starting to make it that bucket list. I have a bucket list of interviews, but then I realize that you start to take time more into account. People say, oh, life goes by faster as you get older. And I just think it's because people slow down. I mean, yeah, we can have a lot of energy, say when you're 50, but you still don't have the same energy when you were 25. And a lot of that has to do with just do with your mental processes. You can just you get older, you start filtering out some of the noise and go, you know, I don't really need to worry about that. Right. So in a way, I think that's part of it. I was interviewing a stunt woman recently, she, Donna Keegan, who was Jamie Lee Curtis's stunt double. I believe it was her, we were talking about the idea that you start to prioritize things. And you know what? And if you just need to be chilling out right now and watching something mindless, that's what you do. You do not have to feel guilty that you're right. not doing this this and this. Not every minute of the day can be filled up. Which of course leads us dovetails back into meditation where you have to have that time right. to, to keep your right. mind open and maybe and cleanse it, clear it.
3: Yeah. That's the thing I I've, I've tried to um when I do my little shout-outs or whatever on Facebook or or in, uh, Instagram talking about my meditation classes, I kind of say, "Hey, it's a great time. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you are, have any questions of whether this is the right time, this is the right time. Because it does. You, you have the right perspective and you have the right circumstances because you're kind of facing yourself. That's a very healthy thing. A lot of people are afraid of that. But if you face it head on mm-hmm. and if you deal with it honestly and realistically, it's a beautiful thing. So I say take, take the time now to discover yourself. Go inward. You know, it's a great journey. It can be scary, but it's a great journey.
2: Well, you know, there's got to be some scary things in life, right? It's, it's, good to be, it's good to be nervous. It's good to have a little stage fright, even if it's not just right. being a musician, but a little stage fright about life. I think if, if you're too relaxed about everything, maybe you're missing it. It's like even when I interviewed some of these stunt women recently about this movie. It's like they're, they're telling me you have to have a healthy sense of fear. Yeah, you can do yeah. crazy things, but you better make sure that you're not going to kill yourself in the process. Right. You know, so you know, we are talking about the idea of mortality before. Is there one big life lesson that you've learned that you could impart either to younger people following your footsteps or just younger people in general?
3: Yeah, get out of your own way. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the problem is when you're attached to your ego and what you know your yeah. ego's expectations. Because we're we're so ingrained to think, you know, oh, I have to, I have to watch out for myself, and I have to do this, and I have to do that, and it's all you know, and I have to accomplish, and I have to show what I'm worth, and blah, blah blah. That is crap. <laughs> it's just yeah. simple crap. That's so not the reality. The reality is you're here and you're doing what you're doing. And the fulfillment comes not from the ego stroke because that goes away. It, come, it comes in ways that I think when you're in that ego state, you don't even you aren't even aware of. Yeah. Like friendships, a real great friendship. It's not about ego. It's about the connection, you know. Marriage, a great marriage, is about that connection. You know, I mean, there's other things that happen in a marriage, too, that can be great. But the connection, I think, is what really turns it into something solid, meaningful, and long-lasting.
2: Yeah,
3: And so, I mean, if I had any lesson, it would be ignore the ego. Just go with the flow and let life unfold onto you, you know, because it's a beautiful thing. Once the attachments of the ego, the worrying, the competitions, the breaths and all that other stuff once that stuff gets in perspective because i not going to go away but it's you can right. put it in perspective once it's in perspective life is so much more enjoyable and you become more productive and better at what you do as a result and that to me is if there was wisdom that would be it other than that i'm not a very wise guy <laughs> <laughs> excellent
1: that wraps up this latest episode of side jams please join me for the next installment which will feature guitar maestro orionthi The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening.